Happy New Year. It's 2024. And I'd like to begin this week's episode by thanking you for your loyalty last year in 2023. And I hope you'll be with me and the team on the rest of 2024. This is the first episode of 2024. It's the 2nd of January as I'm recording. And I'm reminded of the fact that one of my resolutions this year is to improve my soft skills. And one of the skills is going to be improv or applied improvisation. Now, this is something which you'll be familiar with if you've seen uh, sketch shows or comedy shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway? This is where actors are given some kind of rudimentary outline of a situation and they stand up and they just go with it. They just literally take a couple of ideas and then do something without any preparation. Now, my guest this week is from Ireland like me. She lives in Barcelona like me in Spain. She is a business trainer like me, but Kiva Murphy is an actress, a professionally trained actress, and she teaches improv classes and leads corporate learning and development at the BIG or Barcelona Improv School in Barcelona. That's the Barcelona Improv Group BIG. And Kiva's going to talk to you today about what improv is and how it can help you in honing core business skills, how it can help your clients in cultivating teamwork and resilience and learning to deal with unconventional, unpredictable situations. It's something that all of us can do when we have to deal with situations under pressure, build trust with clients, and of course, build teamwork. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you for your continued loyalty and listenership. This is the show for people like you and me. If you're a trainer, a coach, a facilitator, someone who runs a business and makes money, through selling your programs, your expertise, your workshops. You've got some kind of skill which you've monetized. Perhaps it's in the form of courses or books or keynotes, etc. Guess what? You're in the right place because every Thursday, without fail, there is an episode waiting for you on your podcast platform of choice. We have great guests, authors, speakers, business owners, people who, just like you and me, have made loads of mistakes and want to share their lessons with the audience, which is you. And I always get so much from listening to my guests. And of course, I feel great when I know that I'm sharing these stories, these lessons with listeners like you. And so if you've not yet subscribed, please click on subscribe because you'll be notified for free of episodes as they come out every Thursday on your podcast platform of choice. Kiva, welcome to the show. Hello, like glad to be here. Hola, even that too. Hola, also. So you're in Barcelona and from Ireland, just like me. Yeah, right. Mirror, mirror worlds. Yeah, and so I looked you up on LinkedIn, and the reason is that um, improv is something which has been mentioned by a couple of guests I've had on the show over the years, um, and someone in London actually said to me that she only hires trainers who've either been through or have some kind of therapeutic skills and or are familiar with improv. And when we think of improv, we think of improvisation or improvised um, responses. Can you just define or demystify for people listening, what exactly is improv? 
Yeah, demystify. I like it. Uh, we get asked to do this a lot because I think people think of the word improv and if they either think of it in terms of music, like a musical jam, uh, that comes up a lot, or they think of whose line is it anyway, which yeah. obviously oh, I love that. Show, and it's been going forever on, you know, different countries across the world. Uh, and that's it. what's called improv short form. So it's like, here's a game. Let's do this thing. Bim, bam, there's a joke. We move on. There's the next thing. Uh, and they're obviously extremely skilled and wonderful, you know, wonderful improvisers and performers. But improv is basically the art of making things up. Yeah. If you were to kind of summarize what it is, it's making things up on the spot. So it's trusting yourself, trusting your team to kind of make that jump and going, I have this idea. I'm going to go for it. Uh, so it's one about for the person who is proposing the thing to be very concise and clear and very direct with what they're doing. And it's up to the rest of the group to accept it and then build upon that. Okay. What's your background that um, has drawn you to improv? And then we'll talk about the kinds of work that you do and the kinds of businesses that need that work. Um, so I'm an actress. That's where I started off from, from acting. And very early on when I was about 17, 18, I got into clowning. So I was a clown for a very, very long time. <laughs> you right. know that? Some of us never actually end clowning all through our lives, right? Yeah. Uh, and so got into clowning and mm. this idea of kind of using humor in quite dark places. So worked in hospitals, worked with gypsies, traveling circuses, all these different kind of ideas. Um, and so the whole idea of kind of opening a door, opening, letting a bit of light into these yeah. quite dark places. And so whilst doing that, I was improvising all the time without really knowing what improv was. But it was just being in the moment, getting inputs and kind of creating something from there. Uh, and so then I kind of came through improv in a quite of an unconventional way through clowning and then went, oh, there's a whole community, like a worldwide community of improvisers and people who use improv kind of to fund their whole lives uh, and live through that ethos of saying yes to things. And I went, okay. I can I can make my my little niche in this world. And I guess people listening might be thinking, why on earth are we talking about improvisation or improv on uh, a podcast about training and skills <laughs> development? But that's what you do. You you have a business in Barcelona, not yeah. just um, I would say uh, delivering improv, but actually teaching people the skills of improv. Why on earth would someone in my line of work or the line of work that our listeners are in? you know, coaching, facilitation, training, consulting, why would anyone in our circle need the skills of improv? I think two main reasons. One is because the whole ethos of improv is this idea of yes and. So it's the idea of creating and building things. Yeah, so it's leaning into creation rather than destruction. And we've all worked with people who are like, oh, can you do this thing? And they're like, eh, no. Or I've got this idea and I'm going to go full belt for that idea. And they kind of leave you in the dust and they don't care or listen or pay attention. So I think when we build on, when we create this improv, we build on things together, right? So we're working on creation uh, and it's very specific. It's not the same as yes, but a lot of people think like, oh, I say yes to things. Someone proposes an idea for a pitch and I say yes, but, and they add the caveat and they kind of, they're negating the idea, right? They're not letting that person really have that, have that idea. Uh, come to fruition or whatever and kind of build on that together and create something that you know you wouldn't have had before so i think this idea of of working together collaboratively is the kind of the essence of improv uh, and the other thing is that it's just i mean in terms of presentation skills it's a huge thing because you're there and you have to fail you have to make mistakes you have to try again so if you can be purely present in this improv using this improv skill of being there and actively listening then when something goes wrong, 
it's not that big of a deal. So it sounds like it it teaches people to handle um, things which are unexpected. And secondly, to have that confidence to do so in a way that doesn't look like they're struggling internally, but they're able to just change gears and respond to a situation. Yeah. And so we do an awful lot of skill-based workshops on that thing of just, you're doing a thing and someone's going to throw you a curveball. And instead of it completely flummoxing you and you get a question or something goes wrong and you just, you're holding on so tight to your idea that then you kind of crumble. It's like, okay, how can you be in this improv gym? I take a thing. Okay. I take this thing and I incorporate it, listen to it, add it instead of just like panic. Right. So there are obviously improv workshops all around the world. It's something which people could avail of. If someone's not yet convinced, why would someone go along to an improv workshop or gym? And tell me about the kinds of um, skills that you teach practically. So we kind of have two different, in um, in Barcelona improv group, we have two different kind of sides of things. One side is the people who are coming to have a nice time, make friends, be silly, and kind of gain the confidence by by doing things and just having a good time. And they often come the first day of class and they're scared and they're like, oh, I'm here to kind of do some personal development, but I don't know anybody. I don't want to make a fool of and this. And they kind of start off very closed, closed arms, very a bit, you know, sketchy about the whole situation. And then 20 minutes later, by kind of going through the warm up and everything is group focused and nothing is individual, like you go be funny. And it's not focused on being funny. It's just having a good time. Then 20 minutes later, they're being a frog and they're, you know, singing a song. And they kind of, it happens without them knowing, right? So they they can be very skeptical and very nervous. And I understand why. And then they're like, oh, this is so, so supportive and such a good, free, good vibes only kind of place that then they kind of can't help themselves to, to jump further than they ever thought they could could do six weeks later, six months later, six years later, and they're a totally changed person. The other side of things are people who come for like a business skills or they come for a coaching session, or we go into a company, someone in the HR department has hired us to come and teach a storytelling session for the sales department, for example. Um, And so we're going to use very specific skills. It will be less silly. We're still going to allow people to have fun and they'll still laugh a lot in the sessions, normally about two to three hours. Um, And we'll do this kind of coaching session where a lot of it is feedback. So we'll do something, do an exercise where we're working on, for example, this idea of storytelling. And then we go, okay, how can you apply this? How could this be useful? What skills did you just learn in the last 10 minutes that you could then take to your workplace? Um, And so that's a bit of a different different vibe, but it's uh, equally rewarding. And by the end, they're like, wow, okay, I didn't think I could do that. And what is the market for that kind of program companies bringing in improv experts to to help their people sales people as you mentioned with things like um storytelling everything i mean in the last month we've done yeah we've done a couple of sales companies we've done a hr department who didn't have kind of trust and cohesion so we're working on that with them that was online uh another recent one we had was all about taking risks so we did like we have a session called risk taker which is just helping people to to take risks fail try again um, other ones that we have are just about kind of team building. So often at the end of the year, it'd be like Q4 at the moment, uh, we got a lot of calls for, for team building. So they're like, just come, we want to have a good time, create a kind of shared bond, memory, laugh together. It often happens when there's a merger in a company or some company has bought another company, no one knows each other. We get hired quite a lot to do those kind of things of like, you don't know who's in the room. So let's just 
get to know each other and, and laugh and be silly together to create that kind of lightness. Wow. That's yeah. really intriguing. Every company, we've had everything. We've had things in factories and things in kind of startups. So you usually go on site to someone's company and, and run it there? Yeah. So either we go on site, we have a training center in Orgel, like in the middle of Barcelona. So people often come to us and they make it like an offsite and they kind of come and have lunch and, you know, do that kind of thing. Sometimes we'll go, they'll, you know, rent a hotel and they'll be doing a three-day conference. And so we'll go um, and do it there. Sometimes they also pair it with the show. So they want us to do training for an hour or two, teach them some skills, and then they see us as the professionals up on stage. Um, and so they get to kind of like enjoy the show afterwards. I guess most of us, when thinking of training, feel we have to have this... Um, we really have to know the material inside out. We have to have prepared what we're going to say and have a whole timeline. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we're doing this. At 12.15, we're doing a group exercise. At, at 1.30, we're doing a, a warm-up after lunch, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like improv is let's run with what happens in the moment. Do you get push pushback where people say, on the one hand, you need to improvise, but you actually need to have a plan, particularly in business? So we as the coaches have a lot of plan. It might not look it, but we have a very, a very strict curriculum in our classes and we are working and tweaking and getting feedback on them all the time. So even if someone comes to a class and like, oh, we played these silly exercises. Sure, we did. But I know what the purpose is as the coach and as the trainer. I'm like, I'm doing this to look on this skill. So then later you can do this thing. So in the kind of background, you don't know that there's a whole plan. Uh, and when some companies are like, hey, do you want to come and, and run a training session? We tell them about all the the kind of the skeleton behind the closet that you can't see. You know, so we teach them, OK, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. Um, and we'll work on this skill. This is the outcome that we're looking for. You know, so there's a plan. Um, but in terms of the people who are participating and receiving the workshop, what we try and let them know is like there's not going to be a a PowerPoint presentation. We're just going to help you to just be in this unsure place. We call it the improv void of just trusting yourself, trusting your team, your skills, your past, all of this, and just be there. And trust me that I'm going to lead you along this thing and it's going to be a good time and you're going to learn things without knowing what it's going to be, which is part of the whole skill of, of being present, right? And going, I don't know what it's going to be and, and just accepting that. I want to come back to something you said earlier on, which is risks. And I think that's um, a very important point because many of us, I can feel this myself often, is this need to perform, this need to be perfect, when of course I know that perfection doesn't exist. What advice would you give to people who have this pressure upon themselves to, to always... Um, have a plan and uh, and to not do things which are unexpected. Um, it's this creep of perfectionism that affects us all. Um, it sounds as if improv helps us to deal with the risks of screwing up. Yet there are people I know who, who, who would run a mile from this, yet they need it most. There's that funny thing where the people who need improv most are the people perhaps less likely to do it. There's a feeling that if I do this and I'm risking my my reputation, I'm risking my public confidence or I'm risking um, something else that I don't know about myself. But actually what I really need to do is just to let the whole thing just happen. And there are people, a kind of personality profile that would, would I'm perhaps one of them, who because I like to appear professional, I don't want to look like a fool, but th there's something in me, a voice listening to you saying, actually, this is what I need to do. We all need to take risks and, and to deal with that unexpected nature of, of business. 
I love that you notice that of yourself. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and we have a lot of like type A personalities who come and they are in charge. They're CEOs, CFOs, managers, directors, all this kind of thing. And they're very used to kind of, you know, not, not losing face uh, and being the person in charge. Everything is great. But what will happen is someone will ask us to come into a business and they're like, oh, we want to make sure that our team is more creative and takes more risks. And my response always is like, you have to allow them to fail. If you tell me you want to do an out of the box, creative thinking, brainstorm, ideation, all these kind of buzzwords, it's like, great. But they have to be able to throw 20 ideas out there and 18 of them are rubbish. And if we can't, if we don't feel that we have that support or that network or whatever it might be in that kind of company feeling attitude, and if they don't feel that they can make 18 mistakes to get to the two bits of diamond, gold, dust, whatever the ideas, then no one will take a risk because why would they? They're like, I'll just get shut down. I'll be made to look a fool. I'll be uh, passed over for that promotion. X, Y, Z, a thousand things. So I think when we hold on so tightly to who we are, this idea of like, I'm the CEO, I'm not going to be a whatever, a silly person. I don't want to make a mistake. Then you can never really get past that boundary. And what we try and teach you is like, you're going to mess up. Um, and we'll do a very simple warm-up game. For example, we play a game called Whiskey Mixers. Uh, and it's a game where you stand in a circle and you pass a word around, which is this word, Whiskey Mixers, which is very difficult to say fast. And we pass this word around and then we make it harder. We add one going the other way around. So we add, you know, Whiskey Mixers to one side and Mr. Whiskers the other side and then Misty Vistas across <laughs> the circle. So we, we layer on these games bit by bit so that we kind of like increase the skill. And then we say, when you make a mistake, you have to run around the circle and the game will continue without you, like life does. Uh, and so we play the game and everyone laughs and, you know, let's go of their attention and is kind of there and present and laughing and sweating or whatever it might be. And then we go, okay, what was the best bit of that game? And it's like, oh, when they ran around. It's like, yeah, because we're, you know, we're, we're failing, but we're failing fantastically and we're enjoying it. And instead of going, oh no, damn, you know, and, and hurting yourself and beating yourself up for not being perfect. It's like, this game is set up for you to fail. It's deliberately hard. And if you're succeeding and you're not making any mistakes, we're going to make it more difficult so that you practice the same as the gym. We're going to add more weight so that it gets harder so that you're then challenging yourself. And you should always be at the edge of your intelligence, like always kind of getting a little bit pushing us out to the point where you make a bit of mistakes so that you grow, you get that muscle bigger. It's the same as the gym. I like the word edge. That makes sense. Because yeah. in effect, most of us think we're actually um, always working in a straight line, but we're not. There are things that we cannot see happening or about to happen to us. And so we're always dancing along this fine line in business, whether it's with clients who might not hire us next year in 2024 or 25, or we don't know who's in the room. We think that uh, X is going to happen and Y is going to happen, or we're hiring people and those people let us down. So we're always on the edge of something. Um, what, what kind of responses have you had from people who've said, you know, I never thought I'd get this from improv. I never thought I would be able to X or Y. Now I can. You know, what success stories have you been, I mean, um, have you, you know, come across over the years? Literally, literally countless. Um, a lot of people have changed their lives. So we kind of say that, you know, improv will, will help you kind of find this version of yourself, this larger, louder, bigger, brighter, shinier, whatever version of yourself. But we've had a lot of people who have quit their jobs, uh, changed country and just kind of made these big changes where they were like, I don't need to be this 
perfect, stiff version of myself. Mm. And so they then allow themselves to go and set up a company or go freelance or whatever it might be. So we've had an, an awful lot of people who have now been with us for multiple years, three, four, five, six years, who consistently taking improv classes uh, and they might take a break and come back or they might, you know, different things, but they're part of our community. Uh, and I mean, we get emails basically on a weekly basis saying like, you've changed our lives. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot. And it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. It's never about me. It's all about the person that's made this discovery, this kind of moment of, uh, you know, this was kind of a catalyst for them to change. It's not that I've done anything. Um, but because the community is this feeling of, of support and encouragement and joy, and we're definitely leaning in towards the joy side of things, people feel fantastic. So they come out and they're like, whoa, I was really tired before I came to the class and now I feel fabulous. So as a teacher and as a coach, it's an amazing feeling because I get to kind of create this bubble of, of happiness. How many people would typically be in a class? Uh, when we do classes in our place, we'd cap it at 12. Uh, when we go to businesses, we say up to 20. So if there's a group of 40 people, we all get two trainers and do two separate groups because we want to have time for people to have feedback, to share, go, oh, you know, make the connections. And if they're just sitting back and watching, it's not the same. It's not a sit down, take notes kind of thing. It's participating, whatever. And then afterwards, I'll send you a PDF with what we did. Take notes if you want to, obviously. But the whole idea is you're up on your feet for the time, the whole time. Okay. And how many classes would it take for people to see the benefit of, um, you know, an imp improv as a program? After one, they'll notice something. Mm -hmm. After one, you know, one, two, three hour session, they'll already notice some kind of feeling of, okay, I can let go a little bit or I can just say yes to this idea instead of kind of saying, oh, I'm worried. Uh, my my first answer is no, just because I'm intimidated or worried or whatever. So after one session, there's already a difference. But most of the time, a company will hire us to do one and they go, okay, we like it. Let's get you back. Um, so we've got a lot of kind of repeat people coming back. Fantastic. And if people are listening to this and thinking, I don't need improv, um, it sounds as if they do. It, this is funny, a feeling I get when I hear about improvisation, that the people who actually respond the most, or at least need it most, are the people who think they don't. It's a bit like coaching in that sense. <clears throat> you know, people have said to me often, why well, don't need coaching? I know everything. I know what I've got to do in my job. And I often think, well, actually, that's the sign you need coaching. Do you find that people who say or are disdainful of improv are actual candidates for it? Yes, 100%. Uh, I think anyone who thinks they know everything, to use the same example as you just said, or anyone who thinks like, oh, I know this, or I've got my job, I'm very comfortable. It's like, okay, well, then let's like shake things up a bit and see what's in there. Uh, and if you want to kind of think outside the box or create something or have trust in your team, if you're that sure of who you are and that stiff and strict with things, then you're not really creating, in my opinion. Yeah. And People will, you know, will feel like it's too big of a jump and they're like, I don't want to be ridiculous. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And it's like, if you would trust me for two hours and hire me to come, you would have an amazing time. I did some uh, school plays when I was younger. I was always terrified of, of, of um, forgetting my lines. That, that to me is like a walking nightmare. Yeah. I'd quite happily do some cliff jumping or climbing rather than being in front of a group of people and then screwing up my lines. <laughs> um, how does improv help you with that that fear of of looking really stupid at, at this crucial moment when 
you're about to deliver a keynote on stage, you're a CEO, and you have this large town hall, and there's this voice saying, you're going to screw it up, you're going to screw it up. How do you roll with that at the moment? What, what kind of techniques does improv help you uh, to, to use in that situation? Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult moment, that moment. And we've all had that. And I've also had that dream. You know, I'm a performer. I want to be on stage with the biggest audience possible is, is my happy place. But I still get okay. that feeling, you know, I still get that feeling of, of being nervous and being worried and sweating or whatever. You know, everybody does a different thing. Um, I think one thing is just accepting that it's going to happen, like knowing it's going to happen and go, okay, I'm going to make a mistake or I'm going to lose my place in my in my script, in my presentation, whatever it might be. And it's just about breathing and being there. And the more that we can practice in a safe setting that's not on stage in the keynote moment, the more that we can practice making mistakes, having it go wrong and just allowing ourselves to stop. Often when we do the public speaking classes that we do every um, every Thursday morning, a lot of it is just me getting them to slow down. Because when people are under pressure, worried, scared, nervous, whatever, something goes wrong, they go faster, they go quicker, and they forget to modulate their voice and they just become like a monotone, like me, this kind of just panic mode and nothing is going in, nothing is going out. So a lot of the exercises that we do are like, okay, we're going to slow down, we're going to stop. When that panic sets in, we're just going to try and release the tension and be there and the next thing will come up. So I think great to practice. I think if you have a presentation coming up, you have to practice. Wonderful. But then when it comes to the moment, I would try and say, have like an 80%, you know, skeleton of what you're going to say, but allow the 20% for error. Allow the the breathing time, the question time, the moment that the PowerPoint didn't click onto the next slide, all these kind of moments that things can go, can go south that you're not expecting. So it's like, have that built into it of just like, this is the moment where I breathe. I reconnect with my audience. I change my voice. I slow down all these different kinds of techniques. And so a lot of it is just practicing, practicing, not being perfect. And sometimes those um, little hiccups can actually be the things that open up a, a lesson or maybe changes the conversation. Yes. And in a way that's positive. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to see that you, you know, we empathize with you. As an audience, I think people forget, They're like, oh, I don't want to mess up. My boss is here. You know, this investor is here, whatever it might be. Whereas if you if you show that you're vulnerable for a moment and you allow yourself that little that little space to be like, oh, you know, I forgot what I was going to say and go on to the next thing. Anyone who's in the audience is going to relax with you. We don't want to watch someone suffer unless we're total crazy psychopaths, which is the zero point whatever percent. But if someone is suffering on stage and very tense and, you know, stops breathing, we as an audience stop breathing, which is not fun for anybody. So as if you can just accept, be there, go, I know this is hard. This is very scary for sure. I'm not going to take that away. But the more that we can practice being in that kind of unsure, I don't know what's next. I don't have the structure completely ahead of my, you know, ahead of myself. We can then kind of go, okay, I can roll with this punch and see what's next. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to get into this in 2024. It's, it's yeah. intriguing. I've been uh, thinking about this for a while, so I think you've convinced me. Um, Kiva, where can people find out more about you and connect? Yeah, so the company is Barcelona Improv Group. So it's the same. It's on Instagram, the website, barcelonaimprovgroup.com. It's all in the same place. And we have a, we have a yeah, training center in Orgel, uh, which is in the center of Barcelona. 
Our classes tend to sell out very quickly. They sold out uh, in three minutes on Monday. So it sells out quickly. But every Sunday, there's an open workshop that you can come two hours, come and check out a class uh, and just see how you feel. That's a good way to... And for people not from Barcelona or living in Barcelona, there are, of course, improv um, organizations in London, in Paris, all around the world, in they're the States. Literally, they're literally everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, as well as also these other companies, also do trainings online. So I did a training yesterday for a company in Switzerland. So so we do a lot of trainings online as well for a company who's like, we're across the world, right. so Switzerland and Germany or whatever, all together. Uh, and so we do kind of workshops on Zoom. Yeah, and we're all international these days, aren't we? We're all on Zoom yeah. or something like that. Kiva, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. My thanks today to Kiva for being my guest this week on the show. And you can check out Kiva online. You'll find Kiva Murphy over on LinkedIn. And I'll provide the links to the Barcelona Improv Group over on trainingbusiness.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes this year in 2024, please drop me a line. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. Until next Thursday, look after yourself and I can't wait to bring you a fresh episode next week. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.